This episode of Important If True is brought to you by Quip. Electric toothbrushes sent to your home with brush head refills every three months. And if you go to tryquip.com slash thumbs, you can get $10 off your first brush head refill. That's tryquip.com slash thumbs. So, Nick, you are going to open with a Landis update. Mm-hmm. And Landis update. <laughs> Pod dad, Chris Ramo. <clears throat> Son? Yeah. Recording now. <laughs> it's June 8th, 2017, and this is important if true. From Idle Thumbs, I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. And I'm Jake Rodkin. You're running out of sort of sorry. normal ways to say that. You're really <laughs> sorry. Really, really, yeah. yeah. Backed yourself into a corner of your own creation. I know. I'm I'm at the end. No. No. The end of the corner of your own creation. Well, yeah. From the makers of the never ending story. <laughs> a new terrifying children's film. I that movie fucking freaked me out mm. when I was like whatever single digit tiny age I was when I saw it and I had to be taken what out of the theater. specifically terrified you? I don't know. I think the whole thing... Just creepy puppets. Yeah, just... I, I feel like Lots 80s, of sheer fabric sort of wisping around. Yeah, a lot of mm. 80s children's movies, a lot of live action 80s children's movies or, or, pup, or you know, puppeted uh, 80s children's films or combination had just this like really dark vibe over them mm-hmm. that... I st- it still holds uh, true, I think, even watch them now. We, we watched, uh, were you at the theater when we watched Never Ending Story? I can't remember. A couple few years it may ago. Have been, it was yeah. like three or four years ago, maybe we saw it. But there's this veneer of sort of dismalness mm. over it mm-hmm. that I just, I don't think you would have in a Hollywood kids movie now. Yeah, that's anyway, probably true. Yeah. Freaked me out when I was a kid. I had to leave. A lot of, a lot of fog around, a lot of yeah. flying dogs. Yeah. yeah. I think that those just, they took more from sort of the Grimm's fairy tale aesthetic than the yeah. Disney version, which has totally taken over that, yeah, that style true. at this point. Yeah. Unrelated, Nick. Yeah. I believe you have a Landis update. I do. This was the. Uh, yeah, we should. we should <laughs> You should contextualize mm-hmm. that. Landis is the hairdresser that Nick and I both go to. She told me this incredibly long and involved story about that you know culminated in poo that I retold on this podcast it turned out as I learned while recording this podcast that Nick you had in fact told that story to Landis yeah she had retold it to me without telling me that you were the source um, so I was fully hoisted, but then we were further collectively hoisted when we learned that this story is in fact a larger urban legend that has been passed around person to person for, I, I think, about a decade now or more. Hundreds of years. Hundred, hundreds of years. <laughs> this is the first the, story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All stories really are like, you know, yeah. you've got man versus man, man right. versus the unknown, Woman <laughs> scoops poop out of a toilet. Uh, Leaves in a room and locks door. Yeah. Yeah. There's Classic there's Shakespeare. Primal <laughs> stories that have been with us. Yeah. So you have an update from Landis. You confronted her with this information, I assume. Yeah. Well, I went to get my hair cut, and uh, I walked in the door just kind of full, like just, just full of, of information and just like just ready to explode. Yeah. And I sat down, and I I just said, like, 
and just blurted everything out all at once. I was like, oh man, I told the poop story. Like Chris told the poop story, and then you, and then the thing, and then it turns out it's actually fake. Just like I could just see her like eyes slowly expanding. Yeah. And she was like, wait, what? Oh my god! And then. For 10, 15 minutes, like nothing, no hair was cut, like nothing, nothing actually <laughs> occurred. It was just stu- like just complete stunned silence. And then her family walked in. Oh, weird. <laughs> and like her brother was just randomly in town and she's like, oh, hey, this is Nick. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm completely thinking about something else right now. And then she just like stopped talking and her family's like, what's going on? And she was like, well... Nick, you tell them. And I was like, okay, so there was this poop thing and the thing, and I have this podcast called Important Truth, and then we do this thing, and we told it, and I was like, okay. And they, they just they just looked at me like, why, why, why are you? Anyway, we're going to go get a coffee. And why they why just, would anyone like, care out. about yeah, any of this? Just completely, completely. Wait, what, what, how did she respond to the oh, yeah. revelation? It, it, took, it took a while, and, and finally we started talking about it. She is unsure of whether or not it was me because i i very forcefully said i'm pretty sure i mean landis like i was like you know sliding the you know just putting the elbow across the table like th- it was me right it wasn't it wasn't another client right like it was I'm the one it was told you this i was the one that told you right it's just, it's just like no i think it was a blonde lady i think I, <laughs> it was a client it was another client uh i think i know who it is so she thinks she knows who it was who originally told her but she has a very strong memory that whoever that person is, much His like the person Nick who told Brecken. me, <laughs> much like the person who told me originally, uh, who completely sold this story as their own, she thinks the same thing occurred. Mm. That this person actually, she's like, no, she said that the client, like the client, she's like, no, the client told me that it was her sister's coworker for sure. There's no way that it wasn't. So she. Why is it always someone's coworker's relative? Like <laughs> yeah, I feel it like it is a very specific setup. It's, like, it's a really specifically untraceable yeah. thing mm-hmm. because if you need to go verify that, it's like, oh, I mean, I don't work with them anymore, and like, right. I don't know. Exactly. Like, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Yeah. So she's convinced she's going to do some detective work. She's going to find. She's going to talk to this client and ask them what the hell happened because she thinks it was like a year ago. Man, so can we have a story later brought to us by our producer Landis? <laughs> <laughs> from the field? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she denies that she heard the story from you? Did she twice hear this she, story? I think she's unsure. She probably twice heard the story. But you are very confident that you I am told- 100% confident I told her that story yeah. and probably in the last six months. Yeah. How many people can we find who need a haircut who will very aesthetically <laughs> and culturally <laughs> have no relation to right. you guys who can tell Landis oh this story? Oh, my God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing I'm excited about is the idea that if it was me and she thinks this other person told her the story that she now has to explain all of this shit to that client <laughs> like my other client has this podcast where they told this poop story oh here's the poop story like it's just oh that's a common like, urgent urban legend about the person with the <laughs> right? podca- podcast yeah. who gets told a poop story exactly yeah, yeah you can't oh mm-hmm. the best reveal though will be if she's like oh it was from when I worked at Bethesda Software <laughs> <laughs> so that's where it stands yeah She's doing detective work. I need to do some detective work on my end. We'll have another update. Right. Get back to you, boss. <laughs> if we could somehow orchestrate a weird communal, I don't know, sort of slow motion. Uh, what do you, What is that thing where that used to be really popular? In Journalism. The where people... <laughs> <laughs> Where people would like get in a group and do something. Uh, witch hunt. 
Like, what are you? I can't. What are you talking Fuck, about? It's like when people would go and they would, you know, like do something weird in public, and then other people would like a flash mob. Yeah, like a flash oh. mob. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I forgot that it had such a stupid name. I wouldn't have even started like a street team. If I, re- <laughs> if I remembered how stupid the word flash mob were, I wouldn't have even started saying this. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I would have found a different, better analogy. You know, like street team, like critical mass, like a flash mob, <laughs> like group improv. Um, <laughs> uh, I was just going to say it yeah. would be good to find multiple people who we could employ. To put poop in a room. To put... <laughs> To, to actually do what you proposed, which is go get their haircut right. by Landis. Yeah. And they would have to, we'd have to, it would be a long-term thing. We'd have to, they'd have to get their haircut like three times. Mm. And then on the third time. I see. Be like, God, f- cr- you're not going to believe what happened <laughs> to my friend. This is amazing. <laughs> the funny thing is she would probably have to go along with it because she's. Because it's her job. She, it's her to, job to yeah. just be like, oh, really? Oh. Right, instead it, of like, she's not going to be like, you're full of shit. I know that fucking, <laughs> that is not. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. My client has a podcast. <laughs> right? God, especially if you'd have to get the sort of uh, the deniability uh, down and the sort of credulity up, where the per- or whatever, where the person's eventually like, "This happened to me two weeks ago." <laughs> <laughs> I was staying at my friend's house, yeah. and I left. Oh, it was. I, I feel. I feel embarrassed. Like telling you, yeah. yeah. Like it's not a one night stand. It was like I just had to mm-hmm. like crash on someone's couch. Whatever. But it's like oh, a yeah. friend from college who I yeah. just hadn't seen in a while, but you know, uh, lives in Philadelphia or whatever. Yeah. Just yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, the toilet backed up. Oh, yeah, worst experience of my life. Oh, <laughs> and Oof. she's like, Dad, nah, that actually is an urban legend from like 15 years ago. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Funny story, I read about it on Snopes, but then it really happened to me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. God, that would be... That's yeah. a good lead into an email we have. We have a dream from Darren in Toronto who writes, Hey, Thumbs. Uh, we have a dream from Darren? <laughs> an email. Okay. Sorry, about dreaming. <laughs> We're downloading a dream from Darren's brain well, that's also, as we speak. That's also sort of appropriate to this email. Darren writes, Hey, Thumbs. Wonder if you could help me with my dreaming subconscious. For many years now, I've been having dreams that seem to predict events in my life. Sometimes they range from small things like foreshadowing a piece of media I would watch or an old friend I would meet to a more recent dream, which has become the impetus for this email. In this dream, I met an old girlfriend who wanted to marry me. I knew she was engaged to someone else and so asked her, what about so-and-so? She told me it was a long story and it had ended. I woke up and decided to investigate on Facebook and found that, sure enough, she had been engaged to be married early last year, but had since broke it off and was now dating someone else. Huh. For context, I don't use Facebook often, and I don't follow her, so I would not have seen this information t- to be imbibed into my sub- subconscious. You guys often talk about the dreams you have, and I want to get your opinions on what you think their functions could be. Are they a window to something that could happen? Are they to be interpreted and analyzed like the dreams in Twin Peaks? Or are they simply movies starring you that your mind creates? Thanks for all the casts and bag blasts, Darren in Toronto. That's happened to me multiple times. Yeah, like verifiably. Okay. What do you mean verifiably? No, I mean I, I mean I, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean my it, friend's coworker. No, 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 no. I mean like specific details that are that are too that they're not vague. But came words. true like, specifically. That, that came true. Okay. Yeah. Let's- I, I don't I don't remember exactly the series, but I know oh, that that's okay. happening. I just remembered that I, I have know. the power to predict the future, <laughs> I but do. I can't. I couldn't tell you any examples. I, well, <laughs> you know, I had this. It's not a. It's not a science. I had dreamed you were full of shit on a podcast. <laughs> well, we'll see if that comes true. 
It will. I mean, it has. It has. It has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, it just, has you're, just, you're just re- reading history right now. There's some angry uh, CRISPR scientists who can verify <laughs> that, this dream, that that dream came true. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, what I what I want to know is other dreams this person has that that could have potentially come true. Well, I want to know. So mm. when you, Jake, when you say that is eerily prescient. Do you do you not consider it notable that this person did not, in fact, ask him to marry her? Like that is that is oh the, that's true. There's some gap filling there where it's oh, like yeah. my dream was that you asked the, that you asked uh, me to marry you, and then I looked, and you were recently you called off your engagement. Yeah, but okay. the, but, but the story is actually that and have a new boyfriend. She, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she she has a new boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. So right. it's not. It's not, the circumstance hasn't really and it changed. Was me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. that Nick Brecken. <laughs> anyway, I told the story to my hairdresser recently. <laughs> totally crazy. No, you're right. That's fair enough. Uh, it's my hope that a new <laughs> that, that relationship fails miserably. Yeah, that they and then they that, get together that they and find it's true love like his dream. He had a dream that said that they should be in love and marry. Assuming he is the protagonist of Earth. <laughs> He's gonna get married to that lady, um, whereas I just hope that my uh, like Ben Stiller French Stewart meme that's in a bunch of movies uh, really shows up in the next what couple was of years. That again? I can't even remember the details of that. I had a dream. This is a dog, right? I want a guy who looks like French Stewart but isn't French Stewart, who's maybe dressed in sort of an ambiguous Chewbacca slash dog costume where his face is visible to propose to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I was browsing Facebook recently, and the the guy who kind of is French Stewart, but is actually a dog, recently uh, has uh, ended a relationship. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say, I browsed Facebook recently, and you're married. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, All of my concrete dreams are just depressing wish fulfillment <clears throat> about wrongs that I've committed in my life being righted. It's really bleak. Like... Like death wish or something? What do you mean? Like no, I mean like, like vengeance. Like if I got in a huge fight with someone years ago and it was never mm. resolved. Every couple of years, I'll have a dream that is incredibly specific, where I'll like meet that person in a oh. bar or go out for dinner, and they'll like shake hands with me and say it's fine actually. And like I wake up and go, oh, that's just the saddest shit. That's so bleak. Your, your fantasy is that just you and the rest of humanity is like. Decent civil people. Yeah, my, my <laughs> fantasy is that just yeah. Sorry, that's not. It's that's. Sorry, outrageous. the reason that we're arguing is <laughs> all the uh, this is just a bunch of emotional entrenchment and is actually irrational. Let's just not hate on each other for no reason or whatever. Like yeah. this thing, it's dissolved with time. All of your dreams are somehow related to '90s television. You have the the kind of like classic sitcom, like oh everything's fine, <laughs> but then like. Goofy dog guy, ho ho! Yep. Da, da, da. and then there's you know, yeah, my roll all, credits. They uh, all end in a freeze frame, and then some yellow text with an executive yep. producer. It's really strange, uh, strangely specific. <laughs> executive produced by Landis. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Uh. So the question is actually: Are are dreams a window to something that could happen, or are they to be interpreted and analyzed like the dreams in Twin Peaks, or are they simply movies starring you that your mind creates? I mean, the answer could be all of the above. They are all of the above, I think, and yes. they the way that you can make them something that could happen is by strenuously pursuing them at all costs. Like, maybe the idea what? of what? following your dreams <laughs> oh, no! is intended as, like, a literal directive. I don't know if that... Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll say yes. 
I'll say yes, you should follow your dreams in a very literal, matter-of-fact way. Uh, maybe not in the case of I dreamt that a girl that I used to know wanted <laughs> to marry me and then I true. found out she called up for engagement. That's Do not true. pursue that dream no. too aggressively. Yeah, no, that's true. But Jake, you probably should. Both in terms of reconciling with people mm. uh, with whom you have long simmering but ambiguous arguments and also in terms of filming that Ben Stiller, Fred Stewart weird meme supercut. Because uh, you li- would be better off with the former and th- the rest of us would be better off with the latter. That's true. You're right. Uh, then the only one that I'd need to add is a movie starring me. And I would have I would fulfill <laughs> all three of the dream types. True. I mean, this is just sort of very Twin Peaks, isn't it? David Lynch has dreams and then puts them in a TV show starring, not starring him, but like Man, that he true. is acting in. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, also, I should have totally turned to the camera when I said I need to film a movie starring me. <laughs> <laughs> Executive produced by Jake Rodkin. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to follow this up with an email I was going to follow up the Landis thing with, but um, preempted it. And this is an email from Henry in Bristol, UK, who says, Hi, guys. After your hairdresser hoisting a few weeks back, I wanted to pass on a short, sweet self-hoisting story that a <laughs> Short, short, sweet, and self. Short, Choice, sweet, and self-hoisting. Short, sweet, self-hoisting. Shoisting. Shoisting. So <laughs> this, I, I didn't note this particular this sort of opening premise for this story, which immediately, I think, introduces some skepticism, which is that. So my colleague's brother. Was <laughs> okay. On, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Hoisted. I dream. I dreamt my colleague's brother. <laughs> <laughs> so he claims that he checked Snopes. He checked like resources. Made sure this wasn't a story that gets passed around. The uh, he claims this. This is only two degrees removed. Uh huh. So, there was a hook on the door of the car. <laughs> Uh, what if you right now sorry what if you straight up read the exact poop in a bag story verbatim <laughs> oh man okay he says this happens he checks it up so this this woman stayed at a guy's apartment <laughs> at his really nice house actually excuse me <clears throat> sorry please continue before that's, I ruin okay. this podcast entirely you know what's funny actually oh, no. that I realized about that is I think I did tell it as apartment and I don't know if that's what it was in the story or not it, but it was in my version yeah okay so I probably for yeah. that same reason the <laughs> the apartment that I was imagining the entire time, because the story took place in Seattle, at least the version of it that I told, and uh, I spent a couple of years going back and forth to Seattle when I was in a long-term relationship with my now wife, and I could only imagine that apartment as like the one apartment I've spent lots mm, of time mm-hmm. in in Seattle. I 100% just imagined it as her old apartment in Seattle, which was a really weird... From the like, time you left a poo there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't help but to just, like, insert myself into that, like, brain map. I mean, you know I guess I was trying to make my dreams in my In my mind, it was, for some reason, in a very lavish, modernist house, like, from the movie Ex Machina or something, because right, I imagined yeah. the oh, door weird. that was closing and locking being a very wide-paneled glass door, so that when oh, it closes weird. and latches with a very expensive oh, you lock, see? you could look in... The camera can do a snap Yeah, zoom. and just see, like, through slightly frosted glass like yeah. your poo sitting there and go oh no and then the lock is incredibly expensive yeah. and you can't get in that's like my feature film nice version of this yeah, story yeah, yeah, where yeah. where you look back in and there's like a huge kitchen with mm-hmm. a nice gas range on mm-hmm. a big huge like kitchen island uh 
quartz countertop or whatever, and then right, a poo sure. on it. Yeah. Next to a note on a nice piece of paper mm-hmm. that said, "I love staying here." Yep. That, that Which is, for Snopes the movie that is like Twilight Zone the movie oh my God, directed Snopes by movie. directed by Alandis. Man, Snopes the movie. That is that I think we're I feel like we're like five to ten years too late for Snopes the movie. You know when the when the internet was 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 like still at the point when it was dominating the world but wasn't yet one hundred percent completely ubiquitous and just an uh, yeah. everyday mundane part of everyone's life, weird websites would get like book deals and movie deals. Yeah. And I feel like Sno- Snopes the movie was a definite like 2006 era oh, yeah. alternate past that just didn't come to be. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of, of examples of the thing, like the Onion movie. Remember when the Onion made a movie? I don't yeah. remember The that. more likely thing for Snopes would have been that like uh, Ziff Davis TV would have Snopes the TV show with mm. a wacky host who's like, we're going to, and it was like their yeah. version of Mythbusters, but boring because they actually just talked about things yeah. but Snopes the they, movie they just tell you all the outrageous things are not true actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snopes the movie in the style of the Twilight Zone movie is is what I was picturing though which would be probably closer to what the Onion the movie yeah. was or something yeah, where yeah, yeah. you all of these stupid urban legends get heavily produced and dramatized starring major they're actors <laughs> they're all here <laughs> hook guy under the car oh. teams up with poo girl god the problem with Snopes the movie is if it was Twilight Zone the movie it would actually be mired in tragedy that itself became yeah. urban legends that oh, yeah. had to get covered on Snopes that were then put into Snopes the movie too what? wait hold on to the Twilight Zone movie like yeah John Landis got himself in some really hot shit, like not hot water, but like the other kind, like bad. He had his office of. Oh, that's why you said directed by a land. Oh yeah, no, I was privately dying over here. I didn't. I don't want to interrupt the flow of conversation, but I was. Yeah, John Landis uh, directed a a bunch of the Twilight Zone movie. (laughs) What were we talking about? A poo story. You were about to read something, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) So here's a story that this reader swears is verifiably true. He says so. On a cruise one day, after indulging in a few too many drinks and oysters, he hideously clogged his cabin's toilet. After multiple attempts to unblock and flush the monstrosity, he admitted defeat and went out in search of help. He found a cleaning lady and tried to explain to her the problem. Unfortunately, his native language was Swedish, so all he was able to communicate was, come and look at this. (laughs) He let her... (laughs) He led her into the cabin's bathroom, pointed at the toilet, and depressed the handle. The blocked toilet, of course, flushed perfectly, leaving him with the unenviable task of somehow explaining to the nonplussed cleaning lady that he was he wasn't simply proud of what he had just achieved. <laughs> Thought you'd get a kick out of this. A check of Snopes doesn't raise any immediate flags, so I think it's safe to share. Cheers, Henry Bristol, UK. That story is 100% believable. As oh, yeah. not, that story is not it's legendary not, enough right. at all yeah. to no. make it onto Snopes, but it's very good. <laughs> the only thing you would say is, come look at this. <laughs> <laughs> and then just look at my big poo. <laughs> I, now, okay, you've seen it. I'll it's flush gonna it go away. away now. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> that so to confirm that is in fact the dream from Twin Peaks. Yeah, that's oh yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah except the the, the including this, trying to speak in Swedish to someone and right, being unable right. to communicate well, other no, than assuming case, you want to yeah. look at their poo. <laughs> yeah, I think in this case in the in Twin Peaks, I think the the perspective character would be the 
sort of cleaning person yes. who would come in and this man would be like gesturing and sort of speaking in a language that cannot be understood by the audience. Right. Or and then you would just hear, come look at this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like pointing at this. And like going, ah, do you understand? <laughs> and like what he is trying to communicate is, you understand what's happening? But what you see is I'm smiling and looking at you and then looking back at the poo <laughs> and then flushing it and just going, okay, and walking away. <laughs> Yeah. From either perspective, that story is really funny. That's very good. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'd believe the truth of this. It's my dream. It's my dream that this story is true. And you followed it to its conclusion uh, of it's real. Yep, exactly. Um, well, do you guys want to do a, a question? Yeah. So this is actually something that I don't know. I don't really think we can address this very much on this podcast, but I wanted to mention it because of something that was surprising to me. Okay. So Brandon Rotkull writes in and says simply, when is dishonored hoistmas? So this is, this question is a reference to a sort of running gag from our video game podcast, idle thumbs, uh, which there's this notion of dishonored holidays that we have for reasons that are too stupid to even attempt to explain. Um, but the reason that I, that it was notable to me is because when I opened up this email uh-huh. in Gmail, I saw something that I've never <coughs> seen before, which is the email. And it says, Brennan Rotkell two questions at important if true.com. When is dishonored hoistmas? And that's the entire email. And then there's three buttons that Gmail is giving me. Oh, right. Because this, this is what it, this is the Gmail feature that can say things like, yeah, that sounds great. Or I've signed it. It's yeah. attached or whatever. Yeah, I've never seen I've never seen this happen before. Loading this question up is the first time I've ever gotten these buttons. And You've the never three, gotten suggestion buttons no. like that before? Oh, okay. And the three s- options are, I don't know, next week, and <laughs> I don't know why. I really, really enjoy that there is one definitive answer, which is next week. So, which I think we can assume that is, in fact, the answer answer to this question. That's the real answer. The answer is Dishonored Hoistmas is next week. Um, (laughs) Google knows. Much more sinister is the subtle but really crucial distinction between I don't know and I don't know why. God, I don't know why. I I don't know, period. I don't know why. I don't know why is different. I think this is, I don't know, dramatic pause. A film director handles this scene very well so that when you say why, why, it is fucking loaded. Yeah, yes, definitely. (laughs) Because like... That is a pregnant pause. That guy then sort of stops realizes that you know the implication and is, is murdered who wants to know yeah basically, yeah is yeah what exactly. that is what that is someone yeah. is about to get sniped or poisoned before they can get up from the table at this point like yeah. or if they get up and manage to leave the mall food court it was tense as fuck and they're surprised they got out oh alive. the camera followed them the entire they asked way the, from the front yeah, yeah. they yeah. asked oh, the they wrong sure person they, yeah, yeah you see them how yes. do you know about camera, dishonored crisper dishonored hoistmas the camera tracks them camera going backwards yes. looking into their face yes. and behind them you see the person who asked why right. slowly, slowly go out of focus, out of focus yeah. Yeah. as uh-huh. they don't break their gaze yeah. for a full 30 seconds yeah. mm-hmm. as the shot continues yeah. oh man yeah they should not have asked when dis- Dishonored Hoistmas was. That yeah. was, do not ask that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's next week. <laughs> so, it's, it's next week. I, but I, I just need to know why you're asking. Uh, it's very, yeah. Google, Google automatically providing a definitive answer for a holiday that doesn't exist 
for a double stacked holiday that doesn't exist. Not only does a hoistmas not exist, dishonored hoistmas definitely does not exist. But then alternatively, it proposes that maybe this is part of an elaborate '70s conspiracy thriller plot. Yeah. Very good. Thanks, Google. <laughs> I, now it occurs to me that now that I've seen that, I, this must have been an update that I only recently just got on my phone because now I'm realizing they're on all of the emails in my Gmail. I don't use the Gmail app for my regular mail. I just use the right. like, iPhone one. The website has been offering this feature for a long time. Oh, then I have it turned off or something or okay. I never enabled it. I don't know, but I've, I've never in my entire life seen this until literally this morning. It, it's good that this time it's feeding you storylines, though, instead of just... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so I was going to say, actually, this, is a dir- this, isn't, this isn't an email that I prepped, but I'm, oh, okay. I'm realizing now that it's what you just said leads directly into this email from Brendan Marshall, who writes, Dear IFT, that is, by the way, a common mm. misacronym that Jake, you have made on numerous occasions as well, which really? is abbreviating this show as IFT. When, when did I, how, man, I, I try to always call it IIT because that's what I always think about because of... Uh, the Illinois Institute of Technology. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the unli- fight song I endorsed. <laughs> anyway, Brendan Marshall says, Dear IFT, I'm disturbed by the idea that we might be living in a computer simulation. Would the privacy of people in simulated worlds be respected by their non-simulated overlords? We don't seem to extend that courtesy to the long dead. Woe to the ancestral pervert who left any trace of their secret kinkiness. I'm mostly concerned that posterity will see me carrying on stream of consciousness conversations with myself in funny voices. Asking for a friend, Brendan, in Perth, Western Australia. I wonder if this makes any difference if we're living in a computer simulation or not, because increasingly it seems that we're simply living in Google's simulation of our world anyway. I think that we're going to be the master copy and we're feeding enough information yeah. into it mm. willingly oh, wow, th- yeah. that a simulation will exist somewhere else, but we're going to be the gods on the outside. That's- <laughs> uh, except that we're not. We're just going to be pathetic, organic meat sacks that die. And then copies of us that really like brands mm-hmm. are going to exist inside of a simulation. When you say copies of us who really like brands, what distinguishes that from us? Well, I mean, we all really what, like... What makes that materially different than saying copies of us? Fair, fair enough. <laughs> how long until the? I uh, don't know why. <laughs> how long until the? How long until the Google? <laughs> how long until the Google auto replies? Start, I don't know. Start being sponsored. Oh, yeah. uh, like at what point? You know, like at what point are those going to end up being? Well, I felt like, the, the most surreal aspect of that is that it, it, in some ways it almost is just Google talking to you. Because it's really just saying, what do you want to say? But really, that what it's saying is, I've I've read this email. I know how you would respond because that's how I would respond. So, uh, haha, very funny. <laughs> All it needs to do is choose one of those, and then it's just reading your shit and responding to you. I wonder how optimized those questions are going to get over time. Like, it's funny to think about those things in terms of like. We've all worked on computer games that have interactive conversations in them where one of the things you do when you author that stuff is try to figure out what are the things that a person playing this video game inside of this fake conversation that we're writing would conceivably want to say. And your goal is sort of give the person playing the video game enough 
options that sort of cover the possible emotional space yep. that they don't feel like you're leaving something out. That they're right. like, okay, the entire possible range of things I could want to well, say are encapsulated in these four or five well, things. Well, yeah, you don't need them to say the entire range of things I'll say. You just need them to say the thing I feel like saying is basically represented. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, Are you relating that to Google's response? Yeah, just, is yeah. Google going to end up getting so optimized with this? They must, their Google, goal must the be... the greatest game designer. Yeah, you know? their goal with yeah. this must be that their, that their algorithms will be perfected to the point that you can respond to a wide swath of emails by just mm-hmm. pressing one of their four buttons and at that point uh, uh, we are yeah. unneeded yeah we, we are literally <laughs> just the monkey in the cage at that point well it's interesting you say that because I just loaded up out of curiosity this dream this the dreams question to see what Google wants to respond and it's like to there they're a movie what it is uh, your brain trying to tell you something or <laughs> it is symbolism that you should uh... right no it's 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 very different than that it goes down a very different path um, so he has this whole question about dreams and what do they mean and is he predicting the future and so on. And the two choices Google offers are, what do you think? And I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I wonder though if Google falling is... back basically on the psychotherapist yeah. like mm-hmm. bag of tricks, right? It's yep. just, I mean, it always works if you'd sort of just say, well, what do you think about this? Right. It's basically like... Um, it's Eliza, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. The, uh, uh, or Dr. Spezzo, if, uh, depending mm. on your flavor of preferred uh, old... But if you grew up with text. a Mac or a PC... No, if you basically. grew up with a Sound Blaster card or the generic oh. one. Dr. Spezzo is, is the Sound Blaster white label Eliza. I didn't actually know that Dr. Spezzo was a derivative of Eliza. You should explain what those things are. <laughs> <laughs> Eliza is an old text-based... like. AI that that sort of pretended to be a psychologist or someone that would sort of or a therapist or something yeah. where it would, it would it just in text would say tell me about your problems and then you could type into the text prompt what your problem was and then it would say how does that make you feel like it or how it does then it would try to pick a noun out of it and make you feel or what do you think about uh, a thing that it would try maybe to figure out as a name or something if you say my brother blah 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 and its goal was to do what you're saying of be sort of the always board. the always questioning sounding board that would try to just rephrase questions to get you to deep dive into your own issues without it having to actually be a very smart AI. Uh, and then when Creative Labs made the Sound Blaster, which was one of the first really heavily waveform-based sound cards for computers, like it could do things other than just sort of do complicated tone simulation to sound like music. It could actually play back sounds and do text-to-speech, and it was the sort of all-singing, all-dancing sound card. It came with a version of Eliza called Dr. Spezzo, SB for Sound Blaster, 8 for making it sound like a psychologist name, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Wait, surely it stood for something. Like I don't AI th- stands for artificial intelligence. I don't think so. I, think, I don't what? think so, Chris. I All don't right, believe keep that. Keep talking. I'm going to look up Dr. You're probably Spezzo. right. It probably stood for something long, but his name was Dr. Spezzo, and he, uh, he was my good friend and helped me through some tough times. <laughs> <laughs> Sound Blaster Artificial Intelligent Text-to-Speech Operator. That's not what it stands for. Snopes.com. Let's, let's see for sure. But yeah. I only ever used Dr. Spezzo because you could say, you could type say whatever. Yeah, he would, he would, he would say, just say it. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Spezzo's yeah. initial prompt Work was to be. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Spezzo could help you with many problems, including I want my computer to swear and then to laugh at it. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's, it would always try at first. To uh, he would say, "Hello, I am Doctor Spitzer. Tell me about your problems." <laughs> and then he would say, "Say motherfucker," and it would go. I, I, it would, I think he'd get cheeky about swearing, but if you right. sort of just phonetically spelled it out, oh, you'd yeah, get yeah. him to say you it. You had to phonetically spell a lot yeah. of stuff out. Yeah, yeah. motherfucker. 
Should we take a break? Yes. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> he knows about Dishonored Hoistmas. <laughs> This episode of Important If True is brought to you by Quip, electric toothbrushes sent to your home with brush head refills so your bristles are always new, recently replaced. They've got that brand new, good bristle, frayed texture that gets all the plaque <laughs> off your teeth. Uh, if you go to tryquip.com slash thumbs, you can get $10 off your first brush head refill, and those plans start at only $5 per refill anyway, so uh, you're all set there. I, days ago, got my Quip brush head refill. Nice. And it felt very uh, luxurious mm. to swap out that brush head. You swap out that comes with a new battery. Comes I got the one that comes with a new tube of toothpaste. Really, the thing that's nice about their toothpaste is they, sh- they send you both the, like, three-month-long, just, you know, full, big tube of toothpaste. But they also always toss in a little travel-sized one that's under the TSA, <clears throat> like, 4.3-ounce limit or whatever. So you nice. can take, yeah. So they've, you've always got a really nice little tube of travel toothpaste. Just a little, little touch. A quip touch. Gross. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you go to tryquip.com slash thumbs, you can get... One of these nice, elegant electric toothbrushes sent to your home. You can sign up for that uh, refill plan, get $10 off your first refill. And every three months, you've got that new brush head with those frayed bristles. As we learned from a reader who sent us a true science facts, you want those new brush heads because their bristles are still frayed in the good way. Mm-hmm. That gets that plaque off your teeth. Eventually, the the bristles brush themselves. Yeah, eventually the bristles will brush themselves against your teeth into smooth, terrible uh, cylinders that are <laughs> worthless. Yeah, yeah. This will keep your 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 brushes fresh, fresh and frayed. Tryquip.com slash thumbs. Hey guys, hi Jake. I dreamt you would come back to this show. I feel like talking about dumb garbage on the internet, so I'm here. Jake, I know you're very excited about following up our I am. discussions. Well, we okay, so after after talking about Google being able to provide some sort of assistance to you by helping you answer your email and Dr. Spazzo, uh or Eliza helping you with your problems, I feel like we would be uh, not doing our job correctly if we didn't talk about the robotic priest that has shown up in the news recently. <laughs> In Sorry, I called it a robotic priest. It's a robot priest. It's not robotic. It is it is just an actual robot. It is a yeah. robot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a a church in Wittenberg, Germany that has unveiled what it calls a robot priest to celebrate the 500th anniversary of, of the Protestant the Re- Reformation. Of the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. yeah. Uh the robot is called Bless You 2, which is B L E S S U-2. And it's uh it's got a touch screen like an ATM or something, but it's built into the chest of just a straight up hilarious robot. It's like a full on like lost in space yeah. 1950s. Yeah. It's got robot. a little like LED light grid to make its mouth animated. It has eyebrows that can look sad, neutral, or angry. <laughs> it can look angry. <laughs> yeah. And it can uh, can raise and lower its hands, and then it can also blast light out of its hands when it blesses you. It speaks five languages. Uh, you can go to it and, you know, ask if you want a blessing in English, French, or German, or whatever. And uh, which Male, bl- female voice. Yeah, male mm. or female voice, what blessing you want. And then it will just go, 
<laughs> makes really loud as servo its, as its hands slowly raise, and then yeah. it will just say like, and then "May the and Lord's then face light, shine upon you light as light blasts erupts. from its hands," and then it just goes, <laughs> "Amen," and then says, "Would you like to print or receive another blessing?" <laughs> I love yeah. it. It's it's. I mean, the reason they did it is is legitimately interesting, which is sort of like. What is the purpose of receiving a blessing in in religion? Is it about you? Is it about them? It actually feels very similar to what I think the experiments with Eliza were talking about, mm. about sort of how much of this is actually meaningful right, in right, your brain. Right. Right. But uh, the way that they went about it is... <laughs> Is incredible uh, and and uh, slightly scandalous. There's no way to communicate how essential it is to just watch the video of this thing. Like we can't on an audio podcast, mm. we can't really communicate. No, how good, just how good the total effect of this thing is. Anyone who's designing ATMs or grocery <laughs> store checkout machines, yeah. look at this robot priest. Look to the church. For how to make a responsive touchscreen that Please is read, quick. The church read will show Jake's you the way. Re- yeah. read Jake's review of this priest in Wired.com. Yeah, I'm going to do a, 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 an unboxing and user experience video <laughs> yeah. of this of this priest. Uh, I mean, it's not a priest, right? It hasn't been ordained. I mean, it's a, it's a robot. Could get it's ordained. a robot pretender. I mean, Would you like I, me to ordain myself? And then it will just quickly <laughs> go through an online church, uh, and then yeah. I can marry you now. <laughs> Yeah, it can update its firmware to <laughs> to give itself additional ecclesiastical yeah. uh, capabilities. Or, yes. mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there. I I when I searched for robot priest uh, over the break just to sort of see what the deal with this was. Google said, "I don't know why." I got. I, got, I found the the first two articles I found were uh-huh, one from the Catholic Herald saying. The Protestant robot priest shows us one thing. The priesthood cannot be replaced. The priesthood founded by Christ is forever until he comes again. I and mean, then the tell that to auto workers. Well, uh, the, well the immediate <laughs> next the immediate next thing I found. So that was like the priesthood is forever. It will never yeah. go away. The next article I found, the headline is This Robot Priest Heralds Christianity's Death in Europe. So <laughs> Well, Definitely, the takes are out in full force. Yeah, when it comes to religious commentary on this <laughs> robot priest. Here's the thing, though: if we're talking about like, oh, this this robot could never replace uh, the job of a human priest, you know, that yeah. that can sort of read the scripture and and pass it on to people in a meaningful way, and and you know, uh, okay, here's the taste test, right? If you sent a, a regular ass human priest. And this robot back in time. To when I want to know. Happened? I want to know yeah, how yeah. many followers What's that robot <laughs> would have after a single fucking day versus the just guy in another black robe. Uh, I think it would be the robot. Yeah. Uh, the g- amount of insane that. war that would erupt from that. <laughs> oh, man. There would be that. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. <laughs> Weird. God. That. <laughs> that has no bearing on any of its actual ramifications no. right now, but the idea of just sending literally this priest robot with its iPad that can bless you in five different languages back in time and, and what the hell would happen? And probably interpret your letters uh, with three responses as well. Yeah. But yeah. Well, actually, yeah, let's see what Google thinks about this because someone did send us a <laughs> someone did send us this email. Uh, Sam Sheldon sent in a link to this and Google's three responses to uh, the robot priest are what is this? <laughs> What? Love it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Which I think is uh, yeah. very much in keeping with the Yeah. yeah. As far as far as even the people who made this, their awareness of all of the issues that could go around it, I was actually really impressed and also amused with it where they're like, There's no way this could uh this could replace a human priest. Of course not. 
ha, there's also no way that this would solve our problem of a mass shortage of priests and how there aren't enough priests to fill all of our regional churches in Europe. Like, yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting and admirable the way that they sort of very passively were like, there is also a legitimate tangible problem. Not saying that robots need to solve it, but like, but we, but like, this is, we the, need the reason this. that people are up in yeah. arms is probably I don't know. I don't want to. I'm I'm absolutely un, of uneducated. And I'm yeah. not no. educated enough to have any yeah. real take on that. But yeah, the Europe. church that made the robot seems to be aware of all these issues, and they kind of did it as a piece of almost. You like say mo- the robot is aware of these issues? No, the church that made oh, the robot. Oh, is, oh, well, sorry, the robot okay. is also well, like. Do you want blessings or statistics about declining priesthood? I mean, that would yeah. even that would further outrageously cement yeah. this as a piece of sort of modern installation art. But it seems like the reason that the church built it was yeah. they know all. They seemed very aware of all of the good and bad and interesting and hilarious facets of this robot, and I, I really respect it. I mean, mm-hmm. to go to go to. I mean, in terms of your question about whether this could replace re- replace a priest and Nick's postulation about sending it back five hundred years to the time of the Reformation and letting it loose, I think. In line with my musings several episodes ago about King Arthur and a Canadian Yankee and King Arthur's court mm-hmm. situation, I think one thing you have to keep in mind with this is you'd be sending it back with a finite power source that could not be replenished. <laughs> so you'd have this situation where it would immediately it would... amass ah, a, a a following, yes. and then and then, turn and then, off, and then, and then, then die, and then die, and people and would be just, waiting for his resurrection. <laughs> that is just it's just <laughs> entirely true. faith. Oh, that's crazy. If oh that, yeah, once that, it, once electricity is invented, he's coming back. Yeah, what if that, that like, thing was possible? If if, if that thing went yeah. back in time, performed surprising miracles for like two days mm-hmm. then its car battery ran out yeah, and then yeah. it was actually preserved oh my god the book of bless you too that would be just... the first piece of electronics ever created oh yeah, yeah. humanity would just be sitting around well, waiting okay but, but no no it, it wouldn't be waiting though because this would be the terminator 2 situation of oh we have this thing uh we can reverse engineer it now we've like jumped forward a hundred years past where we should be right now because totally except that that would always be that would always for the rest of history mm-hmm. be the first usage of electricity and right. electronics in the history of humanity. It would be it deified. Would ha- that would be for such sure. a loaded like, right, thing to the, insert the pieces, into the development oh, yeah. of technology. Yeah, the pieces of it that are not the touchscreen iPad, like the servo motors and the parts that are just sort of replicating simple movements, those pieces would be taken apart and documented heavily by monks and put into weird illuminated manuscripts before Da Vinci, before anything else, and would probably inform terrifying realities. But then eventually, if that thing was preserved and then was plugged in at the advent of electricity, like in the <laughs> late 1800s yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that would determine standards would be, for like outlet types worldwide. Like, right, where people are like, oh, I think that we don't want to fry this thing, but we might be able to turn it back on for the first time in 2,000 years or whatever. And then no, it, it would goes, be it's a couple hundred years, but yeah. When, when does it get sent back in time? To I the mean, time of the Reformation, 500 years ago, right? Isn't that the point? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, oh, well, was, that, yeah. were, was that specifically what you were saying? Yeah, but... Yeah. Hmm. I thought that it was just I any think, time in history when it could compete with any other religious... Well, it's uh, explicitly right. a I mean, Reformation. Yeah. It's explicitly a Protestant priest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's to celebrate the 500th anniversary of the that's, Reformation. That's so fair I enough. Feel, I but felt like even, that was even, the, it, It's sort of irrelevant to the... Yeah, to, I don't, to it the, doesn't matter when it gets sent thought. back in time, but it's sent back in time pre-electricity, yeah, pre-a yeah. lot of other things. But then plugging it back in would also be equally baffling because even then it would feel like a complete marvel, but a tangible one. It would also be speaking versions of these languages that are more modern than the oh, yeah, people who... It would be speaking a weird, like, 
off version of your language that you could probably understand, but it would be. Well, God, they, they I would thought about it in terms specifically of the Protestant Reformation because it would be shocking as all heck if that thing showed up right around the time of the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> we have this. Oh yeah. Well, because it would be giving religious blessings in five common non-high languages. A robot that oh, showed up and was true. just like wasn't speaking Latin, and you're like, yeah. that's actually that. Must, I mean, that's probably part of what they're doing with this, but that's actually that would be really weird. I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm not enough of a historian, let alone a, re- a religious historian, let alone a Christian religious historian, to understand the entire ramifications of that. But a weird automaton priest that would give some of the most common Christian blessings in your own spoken language instead of Latin would actually be this thing would just get beat to shit. This yeah, would, no, no, I, this I, would not be preserved. No, yeah, I think I think I, I think basically you'd have to send it way earlier. This would actually sent to the four corners. This and, would probably and destroy kind of, the yeah. Reformation, actually. Yeah, yeah. Actually because true. this would just be Satan is coming here, <laughs> and like this just yeah. pro- the Catholic the Catholic yeah, no, no, no. would be like, oh, okay, we were right. You people are fucked yeah, up. Yeah, no. Latin only. Weird it. <laughs> this thing is the devil. You have to send this thing back far enough in time that the Catholic Church is not a force. That like Christianity is in its earliest days, and this thing basically seems like the okay. third coming. That because, would. Because that if would, you, if, it would. Then who knows what history is? But if you send uh, it to the Reformation, it would be worse. It would definitely yeah. <laughs> militarize Christianity way faster I know. than already happened. If you had a fucking <laughs> metal priest that just is dunked into. But it would speak like Spanish and stuff. No one would know what it was doing. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be crazy because if you send it back to a time before those languages were really formed, no one would know what it was doing. And it would just be a weird amorphous robot. Uh, and then you would plug it in thousands of years later and it's just speaking French and giving <laughs> Protestant <laughs> blessings. <laughs> That's true. It would go from a time when it would speak things that people would have no way to write down. So they wouldn't be able to record. No one in the no one in like the eight, in the 19th century would even know what it had said originally other than it had said something in an unknown tongue and then mm. when they plug it in and it's just speaking the modern normal form of their language right holy shit yeah wow yeah. anyway if only that robot could time travel like a terminator <laughs> man should we do some endorsements sure yeah um well i have a movie that i want to endorse based that it that i was brought to mind by some news this week, which is that Terry Gilliam, the film director and member of Monty Python, announced yesterday that he has completed, uh, I guess, principal photography on his two decades in development film, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, mm-hmm. which is this is a project that Terry Gilliam, who is the director of um, Brazil and Time Bandits and... Uh, what, 12 Monkeys? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, yeah. Um, and again, longtime member of Monty Python. He um, has been trying to make this Don Quixote movie f- for decades, and notably, uh, the most notable attempt to film it was began in 1998, I believe, or thereabouts, yeah. or he started development in 1998 maybe, and was just... A disaster of of a production, beset by like natural disasters and funding problems and health problems with his with his the actor playing Don Quixote. It just, I mean, just every insurance company issues, just every problem you could think of. And fortunately, um, instead of those disasters just sort of sinking the project and fading away into nothing, they were documented extensively by a documentary film crew. 
that I believe was the same. They, they had f- previously done a sort of just general behind the scenes documentary on one of Gilliam's previous movies. I mm-hmm. think 12 Monkeys. Um, I don't think it was 12 Monkeys because this film came out on the DVD of 12 Monkeys. It, it did not. Really? There was a documentary yeah. team hired to do a documentary of 12 Monkeys. Mm. And then that same crew, Gilliam liked working with them enough that he hired them to document his next movie. Because that movie opens, or Lost in La Mancha opens with a history of Terry Gilliam's relationship with the business world of Hollywood, which included... They, it was like a little Monty Python animation of planting a small, modest seed in the ground and getting huge returns. And the two examples were 12 Monkeys and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So it was like, and that's why people were finally willing to take a risk on this outrageous movie. And then it ate all of the shit. But it was the documentary crew from 12 Monkeys that was filming this production. Yeah. So they had a featurette on 12 Monkeys that looked, that was very similar. And then they did this as a standalone release. Um, so the movie that I am endorsing is called Lost in La Mancha. And it is a feature-length documentary that is the story of this disastrous film shoot. And it is just a gripping and great and sort of hilarious and heartbreaking um, picture of, I guess, sort of just a collapsing um, artistic endeavor. And it's really interesting and good and has a great um, capstone to it, which is that this movie that Gilliam has been trying to make for decades and has gone through just a series of different casts and attempts is, has actually been filmed and will almost certainly come out assuming, uh, the, all of his film doesn't get destroyed in a house fire or something. Yep. Um, and so it's called lost in La Mancha and I'll have links to it in our episode notes. Nick is checking on his phone to see if he's about to take me to school or not. I don't know if that information will be revealed or not right now, but it, if one of the two of us should or has taken the other to school about the uh, history of this movie, please please let us know. Well, I, I mean, I, I know... I think I'm thinking of, actually, I think I, think, I think I am thinking of the 12 Monkeys documentary, which yeah, there's was a, called The Hamster Factory or something like that. Like something... Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. But this one is which definitely... Which included some Quixote stuff, but yeah. yeah. Okay. This one is definitely a full-length thing that is its own movie and can be found on DVD and um, Amazon streaming and places like that. So we'll link it. Anyway, that's me. That went on a little long. Sorry about that. Jake, what oh, do you have? me. I would like to endorse a website that... Uh, a website called Art of the Title. It's oh, a, yeah. It's a website that either you know about, and this is the oldest recommendation in the world at this point, or you don't know about it, and th- you will find this website very interesting and good if you're a cool person. Uh, <laughs> Art of the Title is a website that is entirely- So if you don't like this website, Jake thinks you're not cool. Yeah. I think there's probably a high crossover between people who like this podcast and people who would be interested in this That's website. probably true. Art of the Title is a website dedicated entirely to movie and TV title sequences. So it is not it, – it started off as and continues to be a huge library of opening and closing credit sequences from TV shows and movies throughout history. So if you're like – if you want to go watch the one from Seven or uh, like an old 70s TV show opening or like the really expensive closing credits to a new Marvel movie, those are all on there. But they expanded the site over time to also include interviews and behind the scenes with – motion graphic designers and title designers and cinematographers responsible for all of these things. So they have these really pristine HD copies of opening credit sequences from films. And often you can also see like the storyboards and concept paintings and other things like that. Like um, I really, 
I have mixed feelings about the movie Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the Edgar Wright movie, but I love the opening title sequence that was done by a motion graphics company called Shinola. And it's this like combination. It, it looks like the sort of noise and film leader that you'd see at the beginning of a skateboarding video or something or, or just of old films, but it's all actually done by hand painting a bunch of animation frames on, gl- on glass, shooting them with a camera and then running and then like sort of degrading it the way that the film leader is degraded and hmm. going and reading that article and seeing their process and all of the different animation frames and the different attempts that they did to get to this look uh like i find that stuff really fascinating it's just it's it's a piece of filmmaking and of sort of visual media that you might wonder like where do these even come from and that website not only lets you look at a ton of them but get really good stories behind that stuff cool and that is i think it's just art of the title.com nice nick um, I'll keep mine relatively short. I'm going to endorse the comedian Tig Notaro. Oh, say, um, nice. Yeah. I, Were you at Colossal Cluster <clears throat> Fest I was at weekend? Colossal Cluster Fest this weekend, which was a comedy festival here. And uh, she was by far the most interesting of like an entire day's worth of comedy that I saw. Um, she got recommended by Louis C.K. at one point or another, but um, she's done a lot of stuff since. And well, she's, was that the... I mean, I know <clears throat> her from when she discussed... Like getting yeah, her cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Was that the same mm-hmm. one you're talking about? Yep. Okay, okay. Yep. 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 So I, I think, you know, a lot of people have seen that, but her stuff sense is not specifically just about her life. Sure, She's right. just a really good comedian. She did this bit uh, that I don't mind spoiling because I don't think it's going to ever show up on anything um, that was just incredible where at the very end of the set, she, um, you know, there's a festival atmosphere and, you know, there were like occasionally bands that were playing in different areas. And so she, she started to announce... Uh, as she was going off, you know, as you do, like, when you've got multiple comedians back-to-back, like, you know, in 15-minute sets, they say, okay, I'd like to bring on the next performer. But she was the last of this block, and she said, all right, I've got a very special guest for you tonight, actually. Uh, it's, like, one of my favorite artists. They're here in town touring the Indigo Girls. And everyone was like, oh, shit, oh, fuck, oh, this is cool. And she walks off stage and just like nobody came on. <laughs> and then she finally sadly walked back to the microphone and said, Okay, the Indigo's girls aren't here. I, I, but what if they were? And sh- then she just strung this together for twenty minutes. She wow. walked off stage, to, like, and every time she did it, she she introduced them in a different way. Like, okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The Indigo girls. And then she would walk <laughs> off stage and nothing. And it went on. And it got so like God, it got to the point where it was just like you didn't know what the hell was. And she, then she would talk to the crowd. She's like, Sir, I saw you react. This is the like tenth time. What the hell was going through your brain? And he was like, I thought they were here. She's like, well, you're the stupidest person in this fucking room then. Like, it just turned into this insane, like, mind game. And it went on so long. Like, just forever. It was, like, one of the, like, most interesting, like, subversive pieces of, like, like, crowd work I've ever... It was so good. Anyway, she's very good, and I recommend you. Do you have any particular sort of actually, specials or anything? No, I recommend? wish I did. I, I I would just say look her up and find anything you can. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So Tig Nataro. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find. Oh, she's fi- got a Netflix special, I'm sure. F- find something for me, and I'll put it in the okay. show notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for joining us on Important If True. You can find our website at importantiftrue.com, which has links to everywhere else you can find us on the internet, and. You can ask us questions, send us email at questions at importantiftrue.com if there's anything you need our help with or consultation. Um, And if you would like an ad-free version of this podcast, you can support our Patreon at patreon.com slash idle thumbs. There are a number of other benefits and cool 
rewards on there, including the weird branching choose your own adventure that you don't get to choose, but that we will choose for you. Postcard story written, <laughs> written by Nick Brecken and designed by Jake. And um, that's at patreon.com slash idle thumbs. And I think that's it for us. Mm-hmm. We will be back next week. For Idle Thumbs, I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Goodbye. Well, we're in that universe now. <laughs> expected goodbye. I know. Gotta keep you guessing. <laughs> That's how you say spice. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm up to here with Nick's anti-science mentality. This is really? outrageous. Every time this guy says anything about science, he he's a fucking idiot, and he says how scared he is, and what an idiot. I mean, it was not. It was <laughs> that's not verbatim, but it was like that's that hilarious. was basically he was his. Pretty close to verbatim. <laughs> wow.